0: But you see, the reflection that I was going to bring this morning comes from the book of James, chapter 4. And um, there's just a couple of verses that I'm going to read, starting from verse 7. James, chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, then, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now I thought I'd bring that this morning, partly because it works well before communion. It reminds us that we should humble ourselves and that we, should, um, we, we shouldn't be um, full of ourselves. When we come before the communion table, we should be very aware that we come not through what we achieve, but through the grace of God. But it's also a list of instructions. And I don't know about you, but I'm quite a simple man. Um, a list of instructions is good for me. If Joe says, can you make dinner? then normally I'll say, yeah, sure. And it's only when she's left the house that I suddenly think, what are we going to eat? How am I supposed to prepare it? What, what needs doing? When she says, I've left you a list of instructions, can you make dinner? Then I'm more relaxed because all I have to do is follow them. And I know that, that when, um, when I come face to face with her once again, um, as long as I've followed the instructions I've been given, then I will not suffer the wrath of Joe. So you see, these instructions, submit yourselves to God. That seems like a fairly simple instruction, doesn't it? Just give ourselves over to God. And yet, it's so easy to get to the end of of a busy day. You know, we, we wake up now and for an awful lot of us, we might have a mobile phone on the bedside table, I know I do, and it's, it's an old habit, habit from when I worked up in the city. The first thing i do is pick up my phone and check my, um, check my emails to see what had happened overnight, because we had international clients. Now, in a church context, we don't tend to have many international emails coming in overnight, I'll be honest, but there's still that habit. I pick up my phone and I check emails before I've even got out of bed and I check messages and I see if there's been any prayer requests overnight or, or if, if any, uh, any friends have had anything going on, if there's any, any messages I need to respond to or anything like that, I sit there and I read my messages. And of course, that means immediately I'm distracted. Because if, if a mate of mine says, if they sent a message at midnight the night before saying, anyone see the match tonight, cracking gold in the second half, then I'm distracted because I'll go straight onto the BBC Sport website and read, see what the score was, read about the game. And then I'll respond to the message about the football. And then Timothy will come in and he'll want to play, which is lovely. And I'm distracted and I haven't paused and submitted myself to God. And so this is an instruction that I need in my daily life and I'm sure that I'm not the only one here that would, that would admit to that. Submit yourselves to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We know it's a reality. Scripture is quite open about the fact that we have have a God of, of good and of truth. But there is also, there is a Lord of darkness. There is a devil. There is one who wants us to turn away from God. And time and time again temptation is thrown out in our path distractions to turn our heads to to take our focus away from god james says look i know this happens i know that your life probably your daily life will be littered with these distractions with these temptations you know we can we can see it we can be watching watching a television program and an adverts will be tinged with a, a, a an unpleasant sort of, um, they can have an unpleasant aura to them. Sometimes you watch an advert and you think, oh, I know you're trying to make me think a certain thing about this person, the way they look or the way they speak. I know that you know. sometimes there's, there's things on, on TV or in newspapers that they're not, they don't re- reflect a Christian attitude, Christian morals. Everywhere we look, everywhere, there are these distractions, there are these temptations, the world is littered with them. But James says, resist them. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Doesn't mean temptation will go away, of course. But it's a bit it's a bit like <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna go there. It's a bit like a batsman standing at the crease and the bowler keeps bowling delivery after delivery. And the batsman he can cower in fear, in which case he'll get hit by the ball, it will hurt, he'll be injured. Or he can just bat them away, one by one, every time. It doesn't mean the boulder will go away, but it means that that one ball coming down, that threat will be batted away. And that one's dealt with. And then you're ready for the next one. And that's how we should be when we face temptation, when we face all sorts of evil. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, we need to come before... God, whether it's through the communion table or whether it's in our daily devotions. And we need to cleanse ourselves by asking for forgiveness to be made pure through the blood of Jesus. We can do that. That's the whole point of the cross. We have this privilege. Paul, uh, sorry, James calls his readership double-minded He says, grieve, mourn, wail. He says, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. You see, he's writing to people who who, who have read the the scriptures and thought, "It's, it's, it's sinful, it's wrong to be miserable, to be sad, to be downcast. And James says, no, it's not. God knows how you're feeling. God knows what's going on in your life. We've already said that today, haven't we? James says, Show how you're feeling. Be honest with God. Be honest with Christian brothers and sisters. There's nothing more irritating, is there, than someone who is just happy and bouncy and smiley all the time. It can be really annoying. Those people, sometimes they'll be really positive and they'll just be natural optimists, and that's that's a blessing, that's brilliant. But we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with one another. How are you today? Yeah, fine. That shouldn't be the stock response in our, in our church. We should have the confidence in our fellow Christians to be vulnerable. How are you today? Terrible, to be honest. I'm just, I've come to church, but I'm really not feeling up for it. I'm feeling really empty. Pray for us, will you? It'll be fine. That sort of honesty, that sort of vulnerability is what brings people together. It's what, it's what binds us tightly together. It's what stops that, that bitter root that the, the writer of Hebrews speaks about from, from growing underneath and splitting congregations apart. It brings unity. So James says, change your laughter to mourning if you don't feel like laughing, if you're feeling sad. Change your joy to gloom if that's how you're feeling. Don't feel bad about it. God knows. He's got you. It's okay, but we are here to support each other. We can be vulnerable because we are all part of the fellowship of God. And then finally, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. In whatever we do, whatever situation we find ourselves in this week, let's be humble before God. Doesn't mean we always have to be humble before man doesn't mean that a Christian is a, a doormat. It doesn't mean that we have to lose every argument and, and accept, accept the rough end of every deal that we come across. But it does mean that the way that we conduct ourselves, we should swallow our pride before God. We should suppress our anger. We should examine our responses and our reactions and seek to improve ourselves because we do so before God. We should humble ourselves before God. We should stand up for God. We should be proud of our God. Because through doing these things he will lift you up. We will be exalted. We will be lifted by God spiritually emotionally. We will be the one that stands apart from the crowd. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're about to sing our final song, The Lord's My Shepherd. And as I'm sure most people will know, it's based on Psalm 23. And in a way, this was quite a revolutionary psalm because David was writing at a time when uh, um, Faith was something that was held corporately. God was the God of Israel. And a a personal expression of faith was very rare. It wasn't unheard of, but it was rare. And when David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, and he went on to write the, the very intimate lines of from the point of view of one who is led by still waters, who who is protected even when walking through the darkest valley, all these, these images that David gives us, it was of one living being being protected by God. This sense of personal, intimate care and love and protection it was revolutionary. Now we take it for granted. We know that we talk about God as Father all the time But let's not take for granted the fact that David was absolutely right. There's a lot of truth in his words. God does protect us. He does look out for us. He does care about us. And he does lead us. And let's make sure that as we live our lives, we we look for that lead. We look to see where he's guiding us. We discern what his will is for us. And then we follow him on that path.